John chapter number 19 this morning, John chapter number 19, and once again we'll be in this passage of scripture and we'll look at a couple of other places this morning, uh, but if you recall back on Mother's Day I brought a message from uh, John 19 on Jesus, the, the perfect child, the model child, that even as he was uh, taking and paying for the sins of the world, he fulfilled his human obligation as a son to his mother. And in studying for that message, uh, the Lord just began to impress upon me to study a little further the other characters uh, that we find at the cross. And it began, as you know, a, a series uh, that I've entitled Standing Near the Cross. And this is the third uh, different figure outside of the Lord Jesus Christ himself that we'll look at this morning as we bring the message from John chapter number 19. Uh, we've been reading verse 25 down through verse 27, but this morning we're going to read uh, down through verse number 38. So if you'll follow along with me, John uh, chapter number 19, beginning with verse number 25. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother, and his mother's sister Mary the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her into his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar, and put it upon hyssop, and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. The Jews, therefore, being it was the preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath day was a high day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Then came the soldiers and brake the legs of the first and of the other which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they brake not his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. And he that saw it bear record, and his record is true. And he knoweth that he saith true, that ye might believe. For these things were done, that the scripture should be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. And again another scripture saith, they shall look on him whom they pierced. Watch verse 38. And after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate, that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him leave. He came, therefore, and took the body of Jesus. Of course, our text reminds us of the crucifixion of our Savior. And while our message this morning is not on the crucifixion, I cannot read this passage without taking a moment to acknowledge what Jesus has done for all of us. May we never get over the cross. May we never get over what Jesus did. How unworthy we are for the sacrifice of the Son of God, and how thankful we should be uh, knowing uh, that we have salvation today through Him. And if you do not know that this morning, I trust that you'll get that settled today. But as we look at the circumstances surrounding the cross this morning, and we find those that were there at the crucifixion, uh, we find our next character that was standing near the cross and was uh, certainly a, uh, fulfilled a great role in uh, this event is in verse number 38, we find the individual Joseph of Arimathea. Joseph of Arimathea, we're going to see, and I trust that we'll learn some great things from this man today. And as they're studying this character, I'm reminded once again 
And the more I study the Word of God, how unworthy I am uh, to ever be in the presence of God. How unworthy I feel when compared to other servants of the Lord. Uh, we live in a world today of great cynicism and, and, and great doubt. But friend, let's make no mistake, God still has His servants. Uh, God still is using His people. And we're going to find in the life of Joseph that there are, uh, just as the Old Testament said, there were uh, many uh, prophets that would not bow the knee. There are many faithful children of God who lurk in the shadows and just fulfill the task that God has for them to do. This morning, I want to look at the life of Joseph of Arimathea. And I've entitled the message today, Joseph, the Secret Disciple. Joseph, the Secret Disciple. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, I pray that as we look into your word once again, may the Spirit of God uh, be our instructor today. May the Spirit of God be uh, evident in the service this morning. And Father, as the Spirit of God speaks to us today, may we be quick uh, to heed the teachings of the Scripture. May we be quick to acknowledge what you are trying to teach us today. Father, may our, uh, our, our service for you be strengthened today. May our faith in you be strengthened. And Father, there's an area of conviction uh, that needs to be brought upon us today. I pray it be so. And Father, may our faith, uh, may it be bolder in the days ahead. Father, I pray once again that there's one in the service this morning, one watching by uh, live stream, listening by radio, uh, who does not know you as the, know Jesus as their personal Savior. May today be their day of salvation. May they realize their need of salvation. Uh, Father, may you bless your people this morning. May your will be done. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Word of God is such a, has such a depth to it that man can never master it. And I've had the privilege, and someone was asking me about my Bible reading and my Bible study a week ago, and I was kind of walking them through it, and, and it dawned on me how many times I've had the privilege to read this book from cover to cover. How many times, as many of you, we spent so much time in the Word of God, and every time I read a passage that I've read many times before, it just seems the Spirit of God shows me something that was there all along. Now, bear in mind, it's not a new truth. There's no new revelations today. There's no new word of knowledge. God has recorded His words for you and I. But it's amazing how the Spirit of God uh, just, just brings truths to life. It brings people out of their shadows from time to time and puts them in the forefront so that we may learn from their life. Such is one that we see this morning, Joseph of Arimathea. Of course, we understand the circumstances that our Scripture tells us about. The most, significant, the most significant time in, 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 in man's history is the death, the burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus goes to the cross of Calvary, and certainly there were some who were glad that he was put there. And certainly there was many who were not glad that he was there. We've seen, so far, we've seen that disciple whom Jesus loved. We've seen Mary, his mother. And last week we talked about Mary Magdalene and, and how, uh, what, a, what a faithful servant of God she was. And now we see another one this morning, Joseph of Arimathea, that if we're not careful as we read through the Scripture and the account of the Gospels, and of course, our focus is on the Lord Jesus Christ and the significance of His sacrifice for us. But hopefully throughout these messages, we are noticing those who are standing near the cross and what their lives represent and what their truth of their life teaches us today. We don't know a lot about this man, Joseph, but there are some things we do know of him. He is mentioned in the scripture as being from Arimathea. 
This was a small city in Judea, probably approximately 25 miles west of Jerusalem, close to the border of Samaria. And he was, uh, uh, he was known as being from that city. As we've already seen in this study, Mary was a common name. And as we can already draw the conclusion, Joseph was a common name. And therefore, people knew him by where he was from, from Arimathea. But he was also known, as we find in our text this morning, if we were to read beyond verse 38, we would find that this man Joseph, he begs for the body of Jesus. He gets the body of our Lord and he takes very great care in preparation of the body of Christ for burial. He, as we've already read, there's the urgency of those on the cross being crucified for them to die because, you know, the Jews didn't want to interfere, interfere with their religious day. And so they had to make sure that those who were being crucified uh, hurry and, and were killed. And as we've already reflected on those that were there watching the Savior uh, be crucified, it was not uncommon for those that were crucified as criminals for their bodies to be taken and just discarded. Of course, we're speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're speaking of the perfect Son of God. We're speaking of our Savior, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Let us not overlook the significance of the task that Joseph took upon himself in getting the body of Christ so that it would not just be cast, uh, cast aside, placed in a, in a common grave, but he was taken and his body was prepared. And the scripture, of course, tells us that he buried him. Uh, he placed him in his own tomb. He placed him in a new tomb that he had. No man had ever been laid in that tomb before. Uh, we're reminded of this in the book of Matthew in chapter 27. We also find that he was a member of the Sanhedrin. Luke chapter 23 tells us this, and we're going to turn to a couple of different passages in a few moments, but it tells us that he was a member of this religious body. He, was a, he had a standing. He served in this uh, capacity. Uh, this is who he was. Uh, he, he was one. He, he, he did not, the scripture tells us, that he did not go along with the crucifixion of Christ. Uh, he was a disciple the, 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 of, of Jesus, the, the scripture tells us. And this was a man, as you could say, well, how is there a conflict of being a follower of Christ, a disciple of Christ, and still being a member of the Sanhedrin? This man, as I best can explain it, he continued to obey the law. He continued to attend the, the temple, uh, but he believed that Jesus was the Messiah. The problem with the Sanhedrin, with the Jew, was not necessarily they followed the law because Jesus came to fulfill the law, and we were to look, they were to look to Christ, and those that they would choose their religious exercises and choose their religion rejected Christ as the Savior, but Joseph was not one of those. Joseph was one who was waiting for the kingdom of God to be fulfilled. The book of Luke tells us this. But I want us to look a little bit deep, deeper this morning at Joseph, the secret disciple. Now, I want you to give me your attention this morning as we first look, number one, to his dedication. I draw your attention again to verse number 38. And after this, Joseph of Arimathea being a disciple of Jesus. I want us to notice his dedication. The scripture preserves him for all of eternity as a disciple of Jesus. How many 
through this time was a follower but not a disciple. How many gathered into multitudes that were a benefit of his miracles but never became a disciple? How many listened to the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ but never became a disciple? God in his providence and God preserved for you and I to know today and for you and I for all of eternity to declare that this one Joseph from a specific town was a disciple. Now, let me remind you that a disciple, as we find in the scripture, was not a name you flippantly assigned to yourself. And there are many today that just because they can wear a t-shirt that says they're a disciple, assume that makes them a disciple. Many think that just because they darken the, the, the door of their church house every once in a while, they've made a great sacrifice to be a disciple of Christ. Friend, that is not what Scripture tells us is a disciple. It was not a name that one assigned to themselves, but it was something that was earned by their dedication to Christ, and it was an acknowledgement by God Himself. Can you think of this for just for a moment? Our service to the Lord be such in a way, our dedication to be such in a way that God himself says, that's my disciple. It's one thing for us to say to about another, they're a disciple of Christ, or I would like to be a disciple of Christ, but for God to acknowledge the dedication. Friend, may that be our dedication today. May we have some disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ today. What this world needs are true disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think of the words of Jesus when he said, Take up thy cross and follow me. There are many who benefited from the Lord Jesus Christ, but they were not dedicated to being his disciples. I want us to see this truth as well. He was not a disciple meaning he served in the same capacity as Peter, James, and John. Now, were not Peter, James, and John and the other men, were they not disciples? They forsook all to follow Christ. They would, they would pay a great price with their life for service to him. They were all human, and they all had their flaws and their failures, and we could talk about them, but when it was all said and done, when Jesus ascended to heaven, he commissioned those men... And the scripture tells us they turn the world upside down. If you are a casual follower of Christ, you don't turn the world upside down. That is disciples. And by the way, just as a side note, that's what would turn our cities upside down if there were some disciples of Christ who were truly dedicated to him. And God's people, church, that's what's going to make a difference in Jacksonville, Florida. It's not a political revolution, but, but for children of God to say, I'm going to pick up my cross, I'm going to be dedicated to him, I'm going to serve him, I'm going to be empowered by the Spirit of God, and we're going to make a great difference as a disciple. Don't miss this truth, because you and I have, can have a tendency to think that there's not something we can do for God that is significant. God had planned for Peter to preach Pentecost. We know the significance of Pentecost and how 3,000 plus were saved on that day and added to the church. And the miracle that was done by the Spirit of God as many nations were gathered and every man heard the gospel message in their own tongue and had the miracle that God did. Now, truth be told, if it was up to the 
local preachers fellowship and ministerial association, Peter would have been eliminated from preaching that day. But aren't you thankful that God decides who he uses, how he wants to use them, and when he wants to use them? But don't miss this greater point. That was something God chose Peter to do. But when the body of Christ, when Christ was nailed to that cross, and Jesus said, it is finished. And Scripture tells us that he gave up the ghost. Man did not take his life. He laid down his life for man. That God had a disciple waiting in the shadows to fulfill a very specific but important task. He had disciples in Peter, James, and John, and those others, but he also had a man who was that secret disciple who served in the shadows that was just a disciple as these others were disciples, but yet he had a different task. And friend, this morning, I believe the application is pretty obvious. You may not have the same opportunity as somebody else may have, but you can still be a disciple and serve in a specific capacity. You may not be, there's one pastor of the Emmanuel Baptist Church and you're looking at him, that's what God has chosen for me and I have a responsibility to be a disciple of Christ. But make no mistake about it, Sunday school teacher, as you stand in that Sunday school classroom, there needs to be a Joseph of Arimathea in a Sunday school classroom. Make no mistake about it, there needs to be disciples of Christ who serve in the nursery, who hold the doors, who work in the parking lot, who go to their job tomorrow and are a light and a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. The only ones who are used for God are not the ones you always see. God had something very visible for a man like Peter to do. John, who we preached about a few weeks ago, standing next to Mary, standing in the way, waiting for Jesus to call on him. What an honor it was for John to take upon him the care of Mary, the mother of Jesus. That's something that John was chosen to do. We need a Peter. We need a John. But they're not more important than Joseph. Because when Jesus gave up the ghost, there had to be a disciple who loved the Lord to the degree who would go into the presence of Pilate and beg for the body of Jesus. Who would take the body of our Lord. Who would carefully prepare it. We celebrate the empty tomb this morning, and we should. And we ought to do it more than just one Sunday a year. Daily in the life of a Christian, we ought to celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We celebrate the fact that the tomb is empty. And, and I thank God for the privilege that I've had recently to go to Israel and, and see that tomb. And we don't know if that's exactly the one where he was. But to see the fact that there's an empty tomb and be reminded that our Lord has risen. But we must be reminded today that God in his providence had a plan. He had a disciple chosen and was willing to be identified with Christ who would take the body of Christ, prepare it and place it in a sepulcher that no man had ever been laid in. And there he was, that body was placed in the tomb for the day when Jesus would be resurrected from the dead. 
What a significance this disciple had. And friend, this morning, let me challenge you. You may think you serve in an area that is unimportant. If you are a disciple of Christ, you are just as important as any other disciple of Christ. Everybody who serves the Lord Jesus Christ today has a task that God wants them to do. There are no little jobs when it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ. There are no little churches. There are no big churches. There are no little men. It's all the, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he has something for you to do. The important thing is to be the disciple. The important thing is that be dedicated. Sometimes Christians say, well, I love for the Lord to use me in a way. Be a disciple. If you're a disciple of his, I promise you he'll use you. And the task that he uses you in is not, as a, a, not unimportant. We've been reminded that since we've been in this location, this building, that we've been reminded of how important the nursery and the nursery workers are. Because often we can hear through the walls. And thank God all the children are sleeping this morning. Praise the Lord. But imagine if there were no servants in any capacity. Boy, what a, what a privilege it is for me to pastor this church and how easy it is for me to get up after the music and the choir and all that is done as the Spirit of God prepares for the preaching of the Word of God. Friend, you're not unimportant. We notice his dedication number two. I want us to see his secret. In John chapter 19, our text in verse number 38, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, if we're not careful, we'll on the surface look at this man Joseph and think that he was not a bold witness. And I don't know the details of his life. The scripture tells us that he was a disciple in secret for fear of the Jews. Now, there's a seemingly a conflict, but we know there's no conflict in Scripture because it says he was a secret disciple because he had fears of the Jews, but yet God calls him a disciple. Where God acknowledges his dedication, God acknowledges his service, but his secret was the fact that he was a disciple. Turn with me, if you will hold your spot in our text this morning, but turn with me to the book of Luke very quickly. Luke chapter number 23, and I think this gives a little more light on him being a secret disciple. Luke chapter number 23, and we'll begin reading in verse number 50. Luke 23, verse 50. And behold... There was a man named Joseph, a counselor, and he was a good man and a just. The same had not consented to the counsel, indeed, of them. He was of Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who also himself waited for the kingdom of God. Now, the Sanhedrin, this, this, elect, this religious body, this, this governing body, as we know that Jesus was tried in the mockery of a court, and there were those who had motives to try and attempt to eliminate the Lord Jesus Christ. I recall the scripture tell, talks about the disciple, not the disciples, the witnesses that were sought after him and, and, and to come and give false witness against Christ. 
But this body, this governing body, then had to vote to condemn the Lord Jesus. But there was one there that the others were not aware of that was a follower of the one that they were trying to condemn. And Scripture tells us that when Jesus was presented and all the evidence was taking place and some gasped at the, the, the supposed blasphemy that the Lord uttered, which was, we know was gospel truth, there was a disciple there that I'm sure got the attention of the others in that body when it came time to vote, he consented not. We, do we condemn this man? There is one that says no. There is one that said, I'll not go along with it. There is one that says, this is, he is, I, I'm with him. May we be reminded today that no matter where we serve, where we are, there's going to come a time when every disciple of Christ must be named with Christ. You can go to work and you ought to, if you're getting paid for eight hours, you ought to put in an honest eight hours. I believe you ought to be a light. You know that. I believe you, you should be different. You know that. I believe the Bible still teaches in holiness and separation. I believe a child of God ought to take the advantage to be a witness. But at the same time, you don't have to take a pulpit to work with you. We, we look for those opportunities. But I promise you this, especially in this day of everybody, all these corporations all of a sudden being woke. And you have to sign on to support of ungodly, abominable things. There may come a time while you haven't, quote unquote, worn your religion on your sleeve. You may have to say, no. I'm a disciple of Christ. Everybody at some point is going to have to be willing to be identified with the name of Christ. The question is, when that time comes, are you willing to be a Joseph of Arimathea? And as he sits in the same body who condemns Christ, the scripture tells us he consented not. He made it known that he'll not go along with it. Do you think this put him in great peril? Do you think this put him at risk? I, I can only imagine that if this group would do what they did and overlook, and I just happen to believe that every member of that Sanhedrin who condemned Christ knew they were condemning an innocent man. I believe that, but he would not go along with it. His secret was that he was a disciple. I don't, want, I don't want to present it in a way that he was ashamed of Christ because God preserves his memory as a disciple, and those two do not go together. But then shedding further light is when the book of Luke says he consented not. When they began to vote, they had no idea of his devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. The book of Mark also sheds light on the fact that of his, of his standing and his character, which we're going to get to in just a moment. But he did not go along with, and Christian, if we're going to be a disciple, we must follow in the footsteps of the Joseph of Arimathea. And at some point, be willing. 
Christian, let me just let me just be as pointed as I can be this morning. How long are you going to pretend not to be saved? How long are you going to pretend to be still like the world? The most miserable person on this planet is a child of God trying to fit in with the world. You can't. And can I tell you, they know. They know there's something different about you. How long are you going to be one of those secret agent Christians? I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. At some point, at some time, amongst your family, amongst your friends, amongst your neighbors, amongst those you work with, you as a disciple must be identified. And if there's ever been a day in the United States of America where the disciples need to be identified, it is certainly in this day we live in today. And the Joseph of Arimathea, the time is set. Pentecost is coming for Peter. Peter will have his light shed on him. And Peter will have the opportunity by the Spirit of God to do amazing things. The Apostle Paul will be converted. And the Apostle Paul will be used in a great way as an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ to start churches. But his time is now in the dark lit room when the vote goes down for the disciple to step forward and say, I'll not have any part of that. I'll be named with the Lord Jesus Christ. And yes, every preacher of the gospel needs to be more bold than they've ever been. And they need to preach the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. They need to preach holiness and they need to preach the the Spirit of God. They need to do all of that. But what we need are the secret disciples to be named with the Lord Jesus Christ. We see number three, his character. Turn with me to the book of Mark, if you will. Mark 15. Mark chapter number 15. And verse number 43. Mark 15, verse 43. Let's go back to verse number 42. Mark chapter 15, verse 42. And now, when the even was come, because it was the preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, an honorable counselor, which also waited for the kingdom of God, came and went in boldly into Pilate and craved the body of Jesus. Who wants to next notice his character? And I must hasten. The Bible tells us he was honorable. This is a description of the man. He was honorable. The Bible tells us he was a counselor. This is descriptive, but it's also give us knowledge of his position. He was very well respected. We know he was a member of the Sanhedrin, that governing body, that, that senate, if you will. He had standing. From this, I make two observations. And I'll, and I'll go very quickly because I've got one more truth I want to get to. His standing did not keep him from his stand. Let that sink in. His standing did not keep him from his stand. We are suffering in our nation because of preachers who won't take a stand because of their standing. We are suffering in our nation of Christians who won't take a stand because of their standing. I tell you, Joseph seems to blend into the pages of Scripture because he's found at the foot of the cross and we understand the preeminence the cross gets to the child of God. 
Let's make no mistake of the greatness of this man, Joseph. And he had a standing, and he was willing to put his standing aside for his stand. When My second observation is when he was amongst those with no character, he kept his. When he was amongst those with no character, he kept his. I believe, as I've already mentioned, I believe those, those men who feigned shock at the Lord, words of the Lord Jesus Christ, deep down they knew who he was. When they cast a vote to condemn him, they set aside their principles to appease the mob. But not Joseph. When those with character, when he was with those that had no character, he did not give up his. And what we need today are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. People you work with, they may not always know. They may not, they, they ask you what you did over the weekend. You tell them you went to church. But, but it, for the most part, when it comes down to the point of decision, though, our standing should not keep us from our stand. When we're amongst those that have no character, we should not give up ours. Oh, how convicted we must be as we look in Hebrews chapter 11 to those unnamed martyrs who would not bend and they would give their life because they would not give up their character. Christian, how, how much, what's the price tag on your stand? What's the price tag on your character? Well, Pastor, I don't, I don't know that. I don't have one. It'll be revealed. Let me just go on public record as the pastor of this church. I hold you in great esteem. You go out and you work in this world. I know many of you, God has blessed you with position and God has blessed you with prominence and you have not changed your position, compromised in one way. I, could, I commend you for that. I commend you for that. Friend, that's the way it has to be when it comes to being a disciple. Then number four, and I'm done. We continue in Mark chapter 15. We see in verse 43 again, Joseph of Arimathea, an honorable counselor, which also waited for the kingdom of God, came and went in boldly into Pilate and craved the body of Jesus. We notice his love. At first, as I begin to study Joseph, you read the secret disciple, and you think, well, why was he a secret disciple? Then you read more about the man. And it would take a bold man to be the dissenting vote in condemning Jesus, to then march into the presence of Pilate, who sentenced him to death, and beg for the body of Jesus. Having been witness to the mob shouting, crucify him. Deliver us Barabbas. And by the, way, by the way, that was the first hashtag movement was that mob, crucify him. That was the first social justice movement in give us Barabbas. And in the light of all of that, he cast that dissenting vote. He goes into the presence of the man who condemned him and with boldness begs for the body of Jesus. What would cause a man to put himself in peril like that? 
I tell you, a love for Jesus. Well, Pastor, I just, I just can't put myself in that position. Oh, if you love him, you will. If you love him, you don't count those costs, whatever it takes. That's my Lord. That's my Savior. That's the Son of God. I, I love him, and, and, and I cannot see his body given to anybody else, and he begs for the body. See, when Joseph, don't miss this, and I hasten, when Joseph could not stop the crucifixion, he did not stop being a disciple. When he found himself in the minority, he continued serving his Savior. When he could not prevent Christ's suffering and death, he could lovingly prepare the body for burial. And friend, the lesson is this, we find ourselves in the ministry or in life, we find the things... Don't go the way that we hoped they would go, and we don't go the way that we thought they would go. That's not a reason for us to set aside our service. It's a time for us to show our real love. And friend, we may be in the minority today, but our love for Christ ought to be so much greater than any position or popularity or an acceptance And we live in a day where many Christians say they would would give their life for Christ and be ready for the persecution to come, but yet they cannot even be identified as a Christian amongst family at a family reunion. They cannot even be identified as a Christian on the job. They cannot even be identified as a Christian on social media. Where's the love for our Savior in a world where we are strangers and pilgrims? I find a man, Joseph of Arimathea, the secret disciple, was quite a disciple. And his love compelled him to walk into the presence of Pilate and beg for the body of Christ. Notice the wording of the scripture. He went in boldly into Pilate and craved the body of Jesus. He had to have the body. We don't have time this morning. We're out of time, but he lovingly cared for the body of Christ, placed him in his own tomb. His love. Friend, how's your love for Christ? Let me tell you how much you love him. It ties in with that question of what's the price? How far are you willing to go? See, friend, that's why you need to be in the Word of God, because it's in the Word of God you fall in love with God more and more and more. That's why we we should be serving Him. Because as we serve Him, it manifests our love towards Him. We love Him more and more the more that we serve Him. You know, and sometimes it's, it's a shame to us as Christians... When things don't go the way that we thought they would go, we say, well, I couldn't stop the crucifixion. I, did, I, I, I couldn't stop it, so therefore, that happened. I didn't think it was going to happen. I was, the Scripture tells us he's waiting for him. He believed that he was going to establish the kingdom. Now, it didn't go the way I thought, but it didn't change the fact he was still a disciple. 
Friend, I, I don't know about the burden that you're carrying this morning. I don't know about the disappointment that you have. I don't know about the struggle. Maybe I do, maybe I don't. I, don't, I know we live in, in a different world today. But it should not cause us because life did not happen the way we anticipated. It should not cause us to set aside our service. It should cause us to reveal our love for him. With, with, with no applause, I'll still preach the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If the world turns away, I'll still faithfully serve him. Why? That's the love for my Savior. I don't ever want to get to a place where I do what I do because I'm expected. I want to do what I do because I love him. You're going to be in the house of God every Sunday because you love him. Now, if you miss, I'm going to ask you why you missed. But it's a wonderful day when you get in your thing, when you get in your life. I want to be in the house of God, not because my pastor expects me to be there, but because I love him. It's a wonderful thing to live like a Christian ought to live, not because you're expected to. but Because as I get further away from the world, it's just a natural thing for me to get closer to Christ. And see, focus on getting closer to him. And young people, as you grow up and in, in, in homes with mom and dad want you to live right and they want to protect you from the things of this world. Grab a hold of God and if you get closer to God, you won't have to leave the world because the world will leave you. Because you can't hold hands with God and hold hands with the world and go the same direction. It's for the, Joseph was compelled by his love. His love. The world does not understand a Joseph of Arimathea. Don't understand him. But they can be easily explained by the love that they have. I conclude like this. Friend, this morning, are you saved? Are you sure? Boy, if you've trusted Christ, if you put your faith in Him, then you are saved, you are secure, we have a home in heaven. If you don't understand that or know that this morning, don't let the fact that we're talking about somebody near the cross take away from the cross itself. Jesus died for all men. Any man can be saved. So Pastor Neil, if you knew my story, I don't have to know your story because I know the thief on the cross who said, remember me. And Jesus said, today, that shalt be with me in paradise. You talk about a change of scenery. Think about a change of circumstances. If Jesus can save the thief on the cross, he can save you, friend. And as a child of God this morning, are you a disciple? How's your identification? If you're saved this morning, you ought to identify with him, with him with baptism. It doesn't save you, it's identification. How about church membership? Are you part of a church? If we serve through the church, we're identified with this church. How about your service, Christian? How do we identify with Christ? Are we a disciple? There's more than being a disciple. 
than wearing a T-shirt that declares you're one. There's more than being a disciple than wearing a WWJD bracelet. There's more than being a disciple than in your description on your Instagram account having hashtag disciple of Christ. Being a disciple is being a member of the Sanhedrin and casting the dissenting vote. Say, I'll not go along because I'm a follower of Christ. At some point in the life of every Christian, it's going to be required that you step out of the shadows and be identified with Christ. How's your identity today? I have to confess to you this morning, Joseph of Arimathea put me under conviction. It made me ponder how far I'm willing to go to be identified with Christ. I'm not going to sell out this book for the applause of men. I'm not going to dip my sails because of who the president is. I'm not going to change my beliefs because somebody did a survey and said we've got to make the truth more easily digestible. The truth is the truth. For all of us, let's face the question, first of all, are we saved this morning? You cannot be a disciple without salvation then if you're saved, how's your identification? Father, I pray this morning.